0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Flight Tech, an inside look at the New York Jets. My name is Rich Slamini, and I cover the Jets for ESPN. This season feels like Groundhog Day. Let's think about it. Last season, starting quarterback Zach Wilson gets hurt right at the beginning. It happened to be the preseason. This year, it was the regular season, right at the beginning, with Aaron Rodgers. Last year, they win four in a row with a great defense, creating false hope. This year, they win three in a row with a great defense creating false hope. Last year, Zach Wilson benched on November 23rd after a 77-yard passing performance against a division rival, the Patriots. This year, Zach Wilson benched on November 20th after an 81-yard passing performance against the Bills, a division rival. Last year, Wilson replaced by Mike White, an NFL cast-off, cut a few times, finished his college career at Western Kentucky, this year, Wilson replaced by Tim Boyle, an NFL castoff. Cut a few times, finished his career at Eastern Kentucky. And oh, by the way, in 2017, in his first start for Eastern Kentucky, who did Tim Boyle face? You got it, Mike White. It's incredible. It's incredible. It just keeps on going around. And of course, last year, Joe Flacco makes an, uh, an appearance in the starting lineup his first starting job since the Denver Broncos this year. You know Trevor Simeon's getting in at some point. It'll be his last starting gig since the Denver Broncos. So it's same as it ever was. The big news on Monday, Zach Wilson getting benched, Tim Boyle getting the starting job. Let's talk about it. It had to be done. How could Robert Sala stand in front of the team this week with Zach Wilson still as his quarterback? It, it just would, was not feasible This is a dreadful offense. The Jets have scored a touchdown on only 7.6% of their drives. Obviously, that's the worst in the league. It's the worst in the league since 2006. And the Raiders, the Jets have nine offensive touchdowns. The Miami Dolphins, their opponent on Black Friday, they scored 10 in one game. Just wrap your brains around that. The decision had to be made. Wilson was just, really, was just awful, almost beyond words. Let me take you inside the locker room on Sunday night. Garrett Wilson, maybe the best player on the team, just utterly dejected. I mean, I was standing literally right next to him, and I had to lean in closer because I couldn't hear what he was saying. He was so down. He was barely talking above a whisper, and it struck me in that moment, here's this Incredible player. Like I said, maybe the best on the team, second best, third, whatever, close. Fumbled in each of the last two games, couple of drop passes, not playing well. And I thought, man, this has got to him. This mess has got to him. And then we see Zach Wilson at the podium. Uh, To his credit, he took accountability. He said, I'm not getting it done. He sounded resigned to losing his job, quite honestly. He said, when things don't go right, change has to be done. So I'm sitting there watching this and I'm thinking it sounds like this guy knows he's toast. Uh, Let's talk about the uh, future of Zach Wilson for this week. He'll be the third quarterback, the emergency quarterback. And in case you're wondering about that, you know, there is the new rule this year in the NFL. You can have a third inactive quarterback as long as he's on the 53-man roster. He cannot play in the game unless the first two guys are medically declared out. So Wilson can dress He just can't play unless Boyle and Simeon get hurt and are ruled out. So he won't count Wilson on the active 48 for the game day. But, you know, they obviously can do this because it's a rule. And his future, I think he's done in New York. I mean, how could they possibly go back to him as the primary backup to Aaron Rodgers next year? I think they're going to cut him in the offseason. Of course, they'll try to trade him. That would take a minor miracle. But there'll be like some slow... Friday news day in late February or early March you know a Friday news dump and the Jets will announce that Zach Wilson has been released and you know it's unfortunate you know guy was drafted second overall in 2021 how did we get here from the chosen one the anointed one the next golden boy to where he's barely hanging on as a third string quarterback well I have said this before. I don't think he should have been the backup this year. I think one of two scenarios occurred, and neither one is flattering for Joe Douglas and the decision makers. A, they were too stubborn to cut bait on a high draft pick. General managers, they have ego, and they get stubborn. They don't want to give up on high picks. Some teams do. The good ones do, like the 49ers. They knew Trey Lance was awful, and they cut bait. Or the other scenario was the Jets actually thought he could still play and make him the backup even after watching him for two full seasons and having no evidence to think he could develop. So either way, it's not a good look for the Jets and Joe Douglas. They essentially compromised another season by making him the backup quarterback, trying to sell this narrative about having him learn from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Look, let me use this analogy. I'm a terrible artist. I cannot draw to save my life. I'm a stick figure kind of guy. If I got a chance to spend a few months working alongside Picasso, that still wouldn't change. I'd still be a terrible artist. Now, I might have better equipment, or I might know which colors look better, but when it comes to the act of putting it on canvas, I would still be awful. And yeah, I do think Zach Wilson benefited a little bit of being around Aaron Rodgers over the summertime. But that doesn't translate to the field. And then the Jets doubled down during the season by not going after a better quarterback. Now, they did get Simeon after two or three weeks, but clearly not a viable alternative. They couldn't even get him to the number two spot on the roster until this week. So Joe Douglas made a few mistakes here, and it essentially compromised another season. Now, about the draft. You're going to hear stuff coming out about the draft. This guy wanted Wilson. This guy didn't. I can tell you this for an absolute fact. There was not unanimous love for Wilson in the Jets building. Now, Joe Douglas was head over heels. I mean, and it clinched on that pro day out in Provo, Utah at the BYU pro day when he was making all those Mahomes-like throws. Joe, uh, Joe Douglas fell for the guy and others in the organization did, but I can tell you there were also people in the draft process, who saw him as a good developmental-type quarterback, the kind of quarterback you would take in the second round. So there was not unanimous love. I think there were some people who actually even wanted to keep Sam Darnold. You're probably going to hear some stuff about that, and I think that is true. Keep Darnold and then use that second pick to trade and bring back a windfall of draft picks. So the Jets were not completely on the same page organizationally about that pick. And here we are. It's a whiff of a draft pick. And Joe Douglas, you know, that's a blemish on his reputation. Guy had an incredible 222 draft, but he whiffed on his highest draft pick. And a lot of GMs don't get a mulligan. Clearly, Joe Douglas did. He went out and used his mulligan on Aaron Rodgers. We don't know how that's going to work out. That story has not been written. It may not be written for a year or two, but I truly believe that Zach Wilson's story is over in the offseason. Joe Douglas needs to go back to think about addressing the future of the quarterback position, especially if the Jets have a top 10 pick, and right now they're at 11th. So depending on Rodgers' injury situation and his frame of mind, I think you have to strongly consider grabbing one of those top quarterbacks if you have a chance. Now, see, people are going to be asking, I know I've already been asked this, where does Wilson rank among the Jets' worst draft picks ever? Yeah, he's up there. I think more recent vintage with D. Milner and Vernon Golston, top 10 picks who did not pan out. I could throw out a whole bunch of numbers on Zach Wilson. The fact of the matter is he statistically, by every objective measure, has been the worst starting quarterback in the league since 2021. You could make the case that he and Demarcus Russell and maybe Blake Bortles, uh, maybe one or two others, are the worst in the last 20 years. And I hate to say that. I don't want to dump on this guy. It's not all his fault, but those are the facts. The Jets, as an organization, cannot develop quarterbacks. And you look back over the last couple of decades, what's the common denominator? The only one is Woody Johnson. And I don't think we could blame him for picking the quarterbacks. He's the guy who picked the people to pick the quarterbacks. And let's look at it. Mike Tannenbaum? He drafted Mark Sanchez, and they had a little run of success. Sanchez was a good system quarterback who needed to be surrounded by good talent. Ultimately, he was exposed. Mike McCagnon drafted Christian Hackenberg, and I won't even go down that road. We know how it worked out. And then he got all in on Sam Darnold. And look, I was a Sam Darnold fan, but he has not worked out in a few different spots in the league. So that was a bad draft pick. Uh, Then you got Joe... Douglas with Zach Wilson. That was a bad draft pick. Believe it or not, as crazy as this this sounds, John Idzik is the only Jet GM in the recent history who picked a quarterback who has worked out, and that was Geno Smith. It took a long time, and it certainly didn't happen for the Jets, but Geno Smith has developed into a very good quarterback in Seattle. He made the Pro Bowl last year. He got a new contract. And so give John Itzik, who who did a lot of bad things for the Jets, but give him credit for recognizing a talented quarterback. Now, I know he's not a quote-unquote football guy, Itzik, but the people around him saw something in Geno Smith. He obviously struggled with the Jets and got booted out. However, he panned out. So the Jets organizationally just have this blind spot for quarterbacks. It's recognizing talent. It's developing talent. It's putting the right people around the quarterback so they can develop him. And the Jets have failed organizationally on every level over the last couple of decades, most recently with Zach Wilson. All right, we've got a mailbag. We've got a quarterback-driven mailbag, as you would expect with Monday's news. And, uh, you know, hey, Let's roll with it. At Matt Romano 19, what would the cap hit be for the Jets if they release Zach Wilson in the offseason and could they trade him for a late-round pick? Don't think so, Matt. If they release him, they're going to get an 11.2 million dollar cap hit before June 1st and really they don't save any money because uh, his cap hit was going to be 11.2, so uh, they get stuck with the entire cap hit. And uh, not a good situation there cap-wise. Next one from at Cam McLaurin. Uh, Rich, since Boyle has a history with Hackett, do you think the Jets will open up the playbook and let him rip some passes? Or will this be another conservative ground-and-pound game with Tim Boyle uh, and his funny hashtag here by Cam, let him boil." I like it. Uh, you know, to be quite honest, Cam, I have no idea what Nathaniel Hackett is going to do because The Jets really don't have an offensive identity. Uh, I would think on a short week with very minimal amount of practice time that they'll probably take it slow with Tim Boyle. But he does know the offense, and he does get rid of the ball quickly, and he has a strong arm. He's not very mobile, uh, and you're not going to see him moving around the pocket a lot. But uh, my gut is that they'll probably be very conservative at GhettoBird underscore cube. The injuries on the offensive line the last two years have been ridiculous. Is this an injury-prone bunch of guys or are there some conditioning injuries? What's the scoop? What's, why just the O-line? It is, it is mind-boggling. Uh, you're absolutely right, Ghetto Bird, because the Jets have already used 13 different offensive linemen this year. Last year, it was 12. So they've already passed last year and we're basically slightly past halfway through the season. It's just incredible. Um, in the last two years combined, the Jets have used twenty different offensive linemen. Some guys have been injury prone, but some guys came into to the NFL with no injury history. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker was a durable guy at USC. All of a sudden, he's had two season-ending injuries. Sometimes it's bad luck, but I th- I do absolutely think they have to take a hard look at their sports science department, at their conditioning staff, and figure this out. At Brett Hoffman Jr., uh, With he sends me a screenshot of Tim Boyle's college numbers at UConn, uh, one touchdown, 13 interceptions in his career, and he said his college numbers are beyond eye-popping in a bad way. How did this happen? Well, what happened with you know, Tim Boyle's a Connecticut kid. He grew up in Connecticut, played for UConn. Uh, played from 2013 to 2015. He only started eight games. He actually became the first true freshman since Dan Arlovsky. It's in, in 03 to start as a freshman. Dan Arlovsky, of course, now with ESPN. Played with the Detroit Lions. And so, yeah, one touchdown, 13 interceptions, and eight starts in three years at UConn. He transfers to Eastern Kentucky. Has a good, you know, pretty solid year. He started 11 games, as I mentioned earlier. Had that game against Mike White. He lost, but he played well, and he played well in those 11 starts and was able to get himself a free agent contract in the NFL with the Packers. Next one from at CT2Sin30. Was Zach Wilson the worst quarterback you've been covering uh, since covering the Jets? No, no. Browning Nagel was, was uh, worse, believe it or not. Back in 1992, Nagel was just horrendous. The, the nickname they had for him on the Jets was Nuke Lelouch, after the character from uh, Bull Durham, the movie, as you recall. They called the Tim Robbins character Nuke Lelouch, Um, And that was essentially Browning Nagel. He had a fantastic arm, but he could not hit the ocean if he was in a boat, as they say. And, uh, yeah, Browning Nagel, clearly the worst quarterback I've covered. And there's been a few others, but uh, Zach Wilson probably in the top five. And next one, at Komorowski Rob, I understand the general manager speaks only around the trade deadline, but doesn't Douglas need to speak? He's the architect of this disaster. Since Rodgers went down, Douglas hasn't done anything to help the team. Uh, So what happens here is the NFL has very specific rules on how often the GM speaks you know he'll speak um at the midweek at the midpoint of the season he's supposed to address the media at the end of the season he's supposed to address the media usually at the scouting combine and right around the draft and joe douglas does the minimum requirements uh as most gms do Uh, a few do more than the minimum but we spoke to joe douglas at the midpoint at the trade deadline and believe it or not zach wilson didn't even come up in that press conference Unfortunately, the Jets were in that winning streak, and Wilson wasn't an issue. It was a mistake by the media. He should have been asked about that, and uh, that's our bad. And so, uh, yeah, Joe Douglas should address this Zach Wilson situation because you're right. It's on him. And the last one from at IsraelDMS7. Rich, I need the full backstory on the put-your-hand-down comment to the tough-guy security guard. He is, of course, referring to the video I posted from the tunnel at Highmark Stadium. We were uh, Me and a bunch of other reporters, like we do after every game at Orchard Park, we're, we're waiting outside the locker room. The locker rooms are only about 20 or 30 feet apart, across on opposite sides of the tunnel. We like to get a view of the players walking in, coming in after the game. And uh, we heard this huge commotion. Like a lot of reporters, I stuck up my cell phone to try to get a view. It was a pretty bad angle. And some security guard, I actually thought it was the ball boy, but he was putting his hand up in front of not just my phone, but other phones. And things got a little heated. And I actually did a little editing on my video. There was some more stuff that was said that I didn't think was appropriate. So we cut it out. And uh, yeah, things got a little heated there. Between the uh, faux security guy and a few members of the media, but uh, yeah, things that that was a crazy night in the tunnel, mostly because of the Deion Dawkins and Michael Clemens situation. But that's sometimes that happens. It's a, it's an emotional game for the players. Sometimes reporters get a little emotional too. <whistles> Well, the Jets will be making history this week on Friday, the first Black Friday football game ever. Jets against the Dolphins. A few weeks ago, actually up until this week, this had a chance to be a really, really good game. It's a 3 o'clock kickoff, uh, so I suggest if you're going to the game to get there early, there will be a considerable amount of traffic on Black Friday around the mall area, around MetLife Stadium. And, uh, you know, this is an interesting matchup. The Jets are reeling the start of the Tim Boyle era. Who could have ever imagined Tim Boyle versus Tua tugavailoa That's, I mean, that's not the matchup you anticipate at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, the Dolphins, arguably the best offense in the league, but they've not been clicking on all cylinders lately. Last couple of games, they scored 14 in a 21-14 loss to the Chiefs, and then beat the Raiders twenty to thirteen. So that high-powered offense that looked unstoppable early in the year has come down to earth a little bit. Nevertheless, a lot of speed on the perimeter. I think this will be a great test for the Jet corners. I think Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed are going to be fired up for this. I think the entire Jet defense will be fired up for it. Um, you know they they did not have a good showing against the Bills. I think that stung. I mean, it really stung the guys on the defense. They hold themselves to a high standard, and that was not their standard. So I think they can play well against these guys. Um, I I just see this. Here's what I see happening. It's going to be a close game for the first half. The Jets are going to hang around, and eventually they're just going to wear down in the second half. Uh, Tyreek Hill will make a couple of big plays, and the Dolphins will pull away, and uh, the Tim Boyle era will get off to an 0-1 start. Um, So that's where the Jets are at right now until they figure out their offense and get something going. you know, and I think Boyle might provide a little bit of a spark. I think just the mere change of not having Zach Wilson in there will give the guys on offense some energy. But I just don't think they're going to be able to sustain it. It's a tough spot for the Jets. I'm going to pick Miami 24-14. And, you know, this would be the Jets' fourth straight loss. This would be a tough situation for them. And they're going to go into a mini-bye week uh, with a lot to think over. So that's where I stand on it. Um, Maybe it'll be different. Maybe Tim Boyle can have a little bit of Mike White magic to him. Maybe players will show up to to the game wearing a Tim Effin Boyle shirt. Let's see if that shows up on social media. But uh, anyway, the Zach Wilson era actually ended last year when they replaced him with Aaron Rodgers, but his era as the backup is over. It's on to Tim Boyle. We'll see if he can last. And the Jets lose to the Dolphins on Black Friday. I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Really appreciate the support on Flight Deck. Thank you so much for listening every week. And, of course, thank you to the producer, Jeff Scopin, and we'll talk to you next time on Light Deck.